Welcome to Wealth of Knowledge. I'm your host, Antonio Barbera, and today in the show, we're going to recap the U.S. News 2019 Best Places to Live rankings, which launched today. Joining me this week is U.S. News real estate editor Devin Thorsby, who's going to help us break down the results, explain how the biggest cities did, and offer a recap of the top 10 best places to live. Devin, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me on. So before we get down into the, the list of places, the list of cities, I want to make sure we explain the methodology. How and why are these places chosen? Can you uh, give the listener a little bit of information on that? Of course. Uh, the best places to live are determined based on a number of factors. And we determined how to weight those factors based on a survey of about 2,000 people throughout the U.S. We asked them how important each factor was when it comes to moving to a new town. Uh, these factors include the quality of the job market, housing affordability, if people are actually moving to the area, so net migration, uh, desirability as well, which uh, we factor in uh, kind of asking people where they would like to move, given a choice of uh, a number of the cities uh, or metro areas on the list. And then finally, of course, we factor in quality of life, which uh, takes into account the quality of high school education, the average morning commute time, which is a big one for a lot of people I know, um, proximity to quality health care, as well as well-being. Do, are any of these weighted more than others, and is, the, is there a reason for that? They are, and it is based on that survey. Um, a lot of people uh, put a lot of stake in affordability. Um, I believe that's about 25% weighting. Uh, and then quality of life, because it does factor in so many different details that on their own are kind of small. Um, quality of life takes up about 30% as well. Um, and so th they're factored a little bit differently based on what people said that they considered to be most important when deciding where to move. And so then with that survey being given every year, I wonder if that, you know, the, the weight of these uh, different factors changes year to year. What are some, are there any major trends that we saw this year? Did certain patterns emerge from the results? Yeah. Uh, as in years past, there are quite a few metro areas that kind of otherwise fly under the radar uh, when people uh, think about major metro areas in the U.S. And in fact, they offer a lot of what people are looking for in a hometown. Um, and, and these places from year to year, um, and this year in particular as, as well, do quite well on the list. Places like Boise, Idaho, uh, Huntsville, Alabama, and Fayetteville, Arkansas continue to perform well with strong job markets and uh, very low cost of living compared to a lot of other places uh, throughout the country. And in terms of specific cities within the list, were there any big movers up and down the list this year? Uh, you know, some big jumps, 10 or 20 places, and why would they have moved up or maybe moved down in the list? Yeah, we, we have seen a few of those. Um, the top 10 for the most part uh, is, is pretty familiar, I would say, from year to year. But San Francisco saw a big jump this year. Um, and a, a big factor of that was uh, desirability. A lot of people said that they wanted to live in San Francisco, given the chance. Uh, and so we got to see that move up. Washington, D.C., we saw move out of the top 10 this year. Um, and a big reason for that is the uh, cost of living is increasing. So we will do, uh, you know, sort of the, the countdown of the top 10, and uh, we'll pretend like it's a big surprise when we get to, <laughs> to number one. But before we get to those absolute, you know, rock-solid top cities, I want to go over a few of the bigger names, some of those bigger areas that didn't quite make that top cut. And, uh, 
you know, looking at this list, I want to go over some of the bigger cities. So New York City is at 90 this year. Uh, Los Angeles is at 107. It's going to, you know, disappoint uh, a, a lot of <laughs> a lot of people. But are these cities too big? Are they too crowded for their own good? Too expensive? I mean, why why do they do so poorly in this rankings? Yeah, these major metro areas, the biggest in the country, are great for so many reasons, obviously, because so many people live there. Um, but they do struggle in certain categories. The biggest factor keeping places like New York City and Los Angeles from getting higher on the list is the cost of living. As a ranking uh, that's trying to help anyone make a decision, we have to take a realistic look at what people can afford there. And these met major metro areas are certainly home to some of the richest people in the country, but they're also home to some of the poorest. And so when we look at the things like the median annual household income, it really is balanced out. So you're not just seeing kind of the the luxury homes, the the income of people that we would see on TV. Uh, so for L.A. and New York, they are the third and fourth, respectively, uh, most expensive places to live that are on the list. The only metro areas that beat them out in terms of a higher cost of living are San Juan, Puerto Rico, and Miami, uh, which rank 125th and 113th on the list. Some of the other cities of note, uh, you mentioned D.C. that comes in at 19, Boston is at 27, uh, and then there's a few here that I, I want to talk about for a second. One of the first factors that I think about is is the climate of that particular city. And, and we have San Diego is at 36. A lot of people will say San Diego is the, the most ideal climate in the United States. <laughs> and then Honolulu, Hawaii is at 60. What do they lack that is keeping them, uh, you know, out of the top 10, top 15? I mean, they're, they're doing fairly well, but, but, you know, not in that top 20, let's say. Right. Uh, San Diego and Honolulu have all the desirability. They do have strong job markets. Uh, their unemployment rates are very low. They have high quality of life, but again, they're expensive. And um, they're both in the top 10 most expensive places to live as well, I believe. Uh, to help offset that high cost of living, you need to see the median household income climb, uh, which is why metro areas like D.C. and San Francisco don't take the same hit. Uh, they do have a high cost of living, but the median annual household income is so much higher in a place like D.C. or San Francisco. Um, so to be able to offset that, uh, you need to see kind of households making more money uh, overall. Further along down this list, I'm a Baltimore native, so I, you know it's a little sad for me to see it at uh, number 100 even. <laughs> uh, some, some work to do there, but uh, Philadelphia comes in at 102. Chicago is at 104. So a lot of these East Coast major cities that I think a lot of people think about as, as premier places to live have not done very well. So I want to talk a little bit about regionality before we get into the, the top 10. What have you seen in terms of East Coast, West Coast cities, and then more Central America? Yeah, uh, so, some trends that I see that a lot of the time. Uh, Middle America, you see a lot of affordability, which plays a big role. And in a lot of places um, that you maybe wouldn't expect, like Des Moines, you see a very strong job market, um, particularly when it comes to seeing more jobs in the tech industry and things like that, that really play a factor. Um, the West Coast, which should not come as a surprise to anyone, has a high desirability factor. Everyone loves the idea of uh, 
you know, getting that sun and heat in Southern California, or even being able to be in, on the Pacific coast, um, with Seattle or Portland, things like that. Um, on the East coast, you do see a lot of strong job markets, but I think you're also starting to see, uh, that net migration decline, um, in a lot of areas and in those bigger cities, the places that we consider the biggest places to live, the most populous, um, I believe Chicago's uh, population based on net migration uh, between 2013 and 2017 has dropped a bit. Um, And New York and L.A. are either just this side of positive or just this side of negative when it comes to net migration over a five-year period. Um, You're seeing a lot of population growth uh, in Florida, which shouldn't come as a surprise. People love the idea of moving to Florida, especially a lot of retirees. North Carolina, as well as a lot of the South uh, and in Texas, net migration is a a major factor and you're seeing a lot of people go there. Of course, with a lot of rapid uh, migration to the area, a lot of transplants to the area, you do see that increased demand kind of puts a stranglehold on housing and, and the cost of living does increase unless the metro area is able to address it in other ways, whether it's legislation to ensure that mid-level and lower income housing is made available or just helping to make construction uh, speed up so that more supply is there. I want to touch on something quickly that you mentioned at the beginning of this response, the desirability of wanting to live in the West Coast and that sort Mm -hmm. of ideal. But I wonder now, these 2,000 people who you surveyed, how was it determined where these people came from? How, How was that laid out in terms of ensuring that you had as wide of a range of, of different people as possible in, in, in coming up with this methodology? I, uh, I believe the survey itself was random. Uh, U.S. residents was the goal, uh, but we did make sure to track demographics so that we, you know, if it were all retirees from one state, we, <laughs> we definitely didn't want that because that wouldn't represent the U.S. Um, but it was a series of surveys for desirability, and I think for the desirability survey, it did... Uh, equal out to 2,500 uh, respondents. Okay. So we gave them a list of 25 of each of the places in each of the different surveys and asked them where they'd prefer to live. So it wasn't just Honolulu <laughs> was always number one every How time. does this sound? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, people didn't have to pick out of 125 because they're either going to pick something like Honolulu or San Diego or their hometown. <laughs> and so... We, we took that and then take the top 25, and I believe also have a survey through that uh, to determine how that ranking factors in. And it it seems to, you know, it's consistent from year to year. People love Honolulu. This one seems to be kind of surprising, but it's consistent from year to year. People love the idea of living in Colorado Springs. That's always been, I want to say, in the top four most desirable places to live for the past four years, which is since we've had the ranking. Um and so it's it's not just the nice weather. People love the idea of being able to get outdoors and, and ski, not just <laughs> sit on the beach. So, I love that image of having surveyed all retirees from one state. <laughs> I, I wonder if they would be all positive or all negative complaining about the, the, the city, that, city or state that they live in. Based on emails that I've gotten from them, right. it can be both all positive and all negative. So. <laughs> all right. Let's get to this top 10 now. I don't want to leave this to the absolute end of the show. So 
gonna run through these. Uh, we're gonna go in reverse order from 10 to one. I'm gonna mention a few and then I'll give you an opportunity to uh, give us maybe some quick points on each city if you're able to do that and, and why it ranked as highly as it did. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so coming in at number 10, Raleigh and Durham, North Carolina. At nine, Seattle, Washington. Eight is Portland, Oregon. Seven, San Francisco, California. So these first four of the, the later stages of the top 10, these coastal cities, I mean, not right on the water, but, but certainly on the East Coast and West Coast. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how these four did and, and, and why they did so well? Yeah, what's interesting about this grouping is that there is a common factor among all four of these places, and that's a strong job market. It's not necessarily their highest score for each of them when it comes to looking at how they kind of took their rank, um, but they do have, uh, they all have a median annual salary that's above the national average and an unemployment rate below the national number as well. Um, Raleigh and Durham has a steady stream of job opportunities because of the number of major universities in the area. Okay. Um, University of North Carolina, Duke, and uh, North Carolina State University are all in this metro area. And so not only do those universities create a lot of jobs, but a lot of companies that want that young professional, um, fresh out of college, uh, those eager workers uh, will come to that area and, and flourish there as well. And then, of course, you're looking at right down the Pacific Coast, uh, Seattle, Portland, and San Francisco. Um, they definitely have that desirability factor. They all three rank very highly for desirability. And uh, they're all known for having a lot of tech jobs there. Um, they all see a lot of net migration as well. A lot of people are, are looking to move to those areas, even in a place like San Francisco. All three of those places, none of them would be considered cheap to live in. Um, but the, the strong job market still attracts a lot of people there. That's interesting that Seattle, Portland, San Francisco seems like uh, sort of a lot of people's dream, like 10 years each uh, <laughs> trip up, up or down the West Coast. And I, you know, it's interesting you bring up the importance of universities and a lot of schools. Uh, is that its own characteristic? Is education its own characteristic in the methodology or is that incorporated as part of a larger piece that you guys look at? In terms of colleges, uh, that is uh, not something we look at. It is something that kind of manifests itself, itself. I think, in a lot of um, other categories like net migration. I know um, one one metro area we may or may not be talking about shortly, Fayetteville, <laughs> Arkansas, has a uh, university there. And people that I've spoken to there say a lot of people move as soon as they do graduate, but then they want to come back to that area uh, within 10 years because they liked it so much and they want to not only live there to to raise a family or to live there long term but also because the job market is right let's move down the list now at number six minneapolis st paul minnesota the twin cities at five des moines iowa and number four fateville arkansas i've i've traveled to des moines of these three cities i'm on in dc here i've been to des moines in the winter I will admit that the Not sort the of the, that, <laughs> that big remaining memory is how cold it was, but also the people were extremely friendly. It was a very, the downtown was was a, was lovely. I still remember that and sort of being impressed by Des Moines, which was you know a city I hadn't really thought too too much about until I went to visit a friend there. So what can you tell me about these four 
excuse me, these three sort of more central, more middle America cities. Yeah, the reason we see uh, places in middle America ranking so highly is because that affordability factor. Um, Des Moines has a strong job market. Of course, Minneapolis, St. Paul does. Um, and, and as I mentioned, Fayetteville as well. Uh, but the and while the uh, median household income, the median annual salary for an individual are certainly not as high as a place like Seattle or San Francisco, but the cost of living is so low, your money goes so much farther there. And a lot of companies pay attention to that. And they're uh, deciding to open offices in a place like Des Moines. And a lot of startups are, are starting to look at smaller places, uh, relatively smaller places uh, like Minneapolis or Des Moines, because they don't have to spend as much to be able to open up their facility. And with the you know, the ability to either work remotely and communicate with both coasts or to be able to travel easily from one coast home and then to the other coast and home. You're in the middle of the country. You don't have to travel all the way across the country if you're living in a place like New York and you have to go to L.A. frequently, for example. Um, and then, of course, Fayetteville offers a high quality of life score, which is something uh, to talk about. Uh, it scored highly in almost all the categories that the quality of life uh, category covers college readiness scores among high school students uh, is very high. Uh, residents reported their well-being as high in the Gallup Share Care Well-Being Index, which asks residents if, if they like where they live, if they're proud of their community, if they feel safe, um, and what they consider their physical health, their mental health to be there as well. Um, low property crime or property crime and murder rates uh, in Fayetteville, as well as an average morning commute time of 21.1 minutes, which having lived in Washington, D.C. for six years, I never had a morning <laughs> commute time of 21.1 minutes. So uh, that's some, definitely something to envy. So I, I want to ask, do you see this trend of uh, middle American cities getting more big companies to, to open offices there based on, on these factors that you just touched on? Absolutely. I think it makes a lot of sense. You think that will yeah. impact the rankings moving forward and, and the importance uh, that these cities are going to have? I absolutely think it will. I think companies are constantly trying to figure out how ways that they can save money but also make their place uh, a dynamic place to live or a dynamic place to work uh, inside of a dynamic place to live. And I think people are realizing that they have the choice of where they want to live. They don't have to move to L.A., San Francisco, New York City in order to have a job. Um, there are a lot of startups that are looking to go elsewhere because that initial overhead of trying to live in San Jose, California uh, is just too much. And the fact that you know air travel is so common these days uh, and you know, it's easier than ever, uh, as well as working remotely. There's no reason for companies to not look elsewhere at what smaller cities um, can be a benefit to them. And I think it'll make the, you know, people can make a decision based on not only the type of job they want, but also the part of the country that they want to live in. And I think people will have a lot of choices. Let's do the last three here. Number three, two, and one. So, an interesting commonality of the, of the first two I'm going to mention. We have Colorado Springs, Colorado at number three, Denver, Colorado at number two, and then number one for the third year running is Austin, Texas. First question I'm going to ask, two cities from Colorado at three and two. 
it's a lovely state to live in, I suppose. Can you, yes. can you give us a few, a few points on, on why those two cities did so well? Yeah, Colorado Springs and Denver have actually been kind of duking it out uh, in the number two and three spots over the past few years. And the fact that they're so close together, I think, makes it kind of fun. Um, last year, Colorado Springs was number two. And if I recall correctly, Colorado Springs was pretty excited about that. <laughs> I, rem- I have actually heard of residents who have sort of have a rivalry. I didn't know that, yeah. but the rivalry have- happens between these two cities. Yeah. Um, they both have a lot going for them, and I think that the fact that they kind of switch switch on and off um, with different details that you know different data points that they're able to succeed in makes them both stronger. Um, Colorado Springs has a lower cost of living than Denver, but Denver has a slightly stronger job market. Um, at the end of the day, they're not that far from each other, and I personally... Don't say they're the same. <laughs> they're, both cities are going to hate us. They are very different, I promise, <laughs> but they are very close to each other, and I know people who live in Colorado Springs and commute to Denver for work, uh, and you know, a, jo- a company can be part of the uh, defense industry, which is very strong in Colorado Springs with the number of military bases they have there, but they can be have an office located in Denver, and a commute for a meeting that they need is a little over an hour away. It's not that big of a deal. Of course, there is a little bit of a rivalry, which um, so I'm sure when when one gets put above the other, no one likes it. Um, but I think that they do make each other stronger, and they'll continue to make each other stronger as well. And so, number one, Austin, Texas, third year running. I suppose it's it's good in a sense that you don't see so much volatility year to year with the top 10 because you would hope that a city wouldn't maybe <laughs> fall off drastically from one year to the next to, to move yeah. a lot. But what, what does Austin bring to the table that makes it deserve this number one spot? Yeah. Well, to note, um, when you're looking at real estate, when you're considering real estate, of course, we factor in all the different things about where you want to live. But real estate itself is kind of a slow-moving asset. Um and so it kind of makes sense that the list doesn't jump around like crazy from year to year. I think if it did, people would get a little bit of whiplash of where they're being told that they should live. But uh, Austin, as a three-peat, um, it's, you know, it's got so much going for it. It has become in the last, I want to say, a little over 10 years. I'm sure it was leading up to that before then but become a major tech hub in the U.S. and is still, despite the fact that its rapid population growth has led to an increase in the cost of living, it's still so much cheaper to live there compared to Silicon Valley, which is where people are moving from, um, or New York City, which is where people are moving from. A lot of young professionals love the idea of being able to live in a part of the country that isn't already so established with professionals. It's a lot of young professionals in Austin, um, a lot of startups that are there, and uh, the ability to expand and work with bigger companies because you've got Apple and Google with major campuses there, um, or at least building major campuses there. Um, and so it, even though the cost of living is increasing, <laughs> I hear a lot of the time from people who live in Austin that they're worried about the cost of living. But compared to where you would be otherwise, if you were, if you had the same job, um, you know, 15 years ago, uh, you would be paying a lot more for your rent <laughs> um, compared to what you're making. So, I, I wonder if there'll be a tipping point between these cities to where 
the you know those big cities that you just Silicon Valley in New York City, if they need to make certain adjustments legally that are sort of going to prevent this sort of mass exodus to these other cities <laughs> that you've just mentioned. So that's the top ten. What do you think that listeners and readers should should take away from these from these rankings? Use them to inform where to look for jobs, where to retire, uh, where to you know, buy a house and move to, what is the, mm-hmm. what should the goal be? Yeah, like everything U.S. News and World Report does, <laughs> uh, we're trying to provide consumers with the details to make more informed and more confident decisions. And with Best Places to Live, it's about moving to a new city, which is a hard process and often extremely intimidating. A lot of people are afraid to move to a new area because they don't know what the job market's like where to find an apartment, and if they'll be able to make friends easily. Uh, so we want to be able to provide the, the hard data facts that, that you need to be able to be okay with making that move. But in the profiles that we provide for each place, we also want to give a little bit about what people like to do for fun, what the culture's like, and make sure that it's something that you'd be able to enjoy. I, of course, recommend before you move to a new city, visiting it maybe <laughs> once or twice. Um, but... You know, I've made I've made moves with uh, little knowledge of a metro area before, and it's been able to turn out well. And uh, hopefully, with this bit of information, uh, if people have to make a a quick move, um, they'll be able to to feel good about it. Now, asking you specifically, looking at, at your opinion as an expert real estate editor, what are some of your dark horses for best places to live? I mean, no one thinks that Austin is a best kept secret at this point. So what are a few <laughs> cities from this ranking that you think are the next big thing? Maybe some cities that are slowly, you know, climbing the rankings or some that you think will very soon. Yeah. Um, a lot of those dark horses that I see are in middle America, just because there's a lot of potential there because people love that affordability factor. And no matter what, people are always looking for a way to spend a little bit less on something that they absolutely need to have. <laughs> Uh, which is shelter. One, dark, I consider it a dark horse, always highly ranked, I believe always in the top 25 in the last four years that we've had best places to live, um, but kind of falls under the radar a little bit, is Grand Rapids, Michigan. I will give the disclaimer. This is such a homer pick, I can't even believe. That I am from okay. Michigan, <laughs> but I'm not from Grand Rapids, personally. <laughs> um, but Grand Rapids uh, is extremely affordable, has a high quality of life, Um, and it's been so highly ranked in the last few years, it just kind of falls under the radar compared to the likes of Austin or San Francisco, something like that. Um, It is a a smaller metro area, um, and it is located on the west side of the state, so even in Michigan itself, a lot of people don't necessarily pay that much attention to it all the time, but it's considered, you know, it's got all the qualities that a lot of people are looking for. Um, Another one I would consider... Huntsville, Alabama. It's a very small metro area. This is only uh, the second year that it's been on the best places to live list. Uh, Less than half a million people. Uh, But it's got a NASA center there and a flourishing aerospace industry. So that might might not be a name that people think of when they think I'm going to go into aerospace engineering. (laughs) Sure. um, When they're in college. But uh, that could be a place you end up. And, you know, it's got all the... uh, the markings of a great place to live. So now my last question is relating to what I personally know happens to you every year when these rankings <laughs> come out. And, and those are the, the emails that you get from, from readers. 
Uh, I was wondering if you had a few of those to share where readers are either happy or upset that they're too high, which is something that can happen, or, or you know, furious that they're way too low on the list. This is uh, the emails I get. Some are very profane. <laughs> I will not read any of those. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank you. Uh, I think I would have to say, generally speaking, my favorites are when uh, someone reads one of the slideshows we have, and we do break the best places to live out into the different categories. So if you're the number one thing, the only thing you want to focus on is best places to live for the job market, best place that you can find a job, um, we have that. And so someone will read one of those maybe, not specify to me in the email which slideshow they read, <laughs> um, but then just say, none of these places are good at all. And I'm just like, what places do you want me to be <laughs> talking about? Um, I think one of my favorites, which was pretty friendly, uh, but also had a message. Uh, this was when Best Places to Live last year uh, came out, and Austin was number one for the second time, so I might get this email again. Uh, <laughs> just They'll just forward it <laughs> to yeah, you again. Yeah. Yeah. Subject line, please stop it, we're full. And in the body of the email, sincerely, Austin. <laughs> um I've gotten more than one email. I didn't, I wasn't able to find the actual email, but I've gotten more than one email from someone in different people in Boise, Idaho, uh, that are very upset that Boise is highly ranked because people are moving there and it's getting more expensive and the traffic is outrageous. Again, as someone who lived in Washington, D.C. for a while, there is nothing that can convince me that the <laughs> traffic in Boise is outrageous. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, I'll, I'll give you a little excerpt of one. I want to say that this had to do with the best places to live for young professionals, which is a list we came out with a little bit more recently, but still just pulls from best places to live. Uh, they said, no, it's not desirable to live in places where temps dip below freezing or rise over 100 for months. No, it's not desirable for most seniors to spend over 600K for a home. <laughs> Your list should be titled No Can Do. <laughs> I'm going to sort of agree with uh, all of those weather <laughs> <laughs> we, points. Off, we may, <laughs> but also most places either dip below freezing or rise over 100 degrees. Uh, yeah, if not, well, do both. I've narrowed it down to about two or three cities yeah. I think that I could ever really live long term. So we can um, have the three best places to live. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to the, to the emails that you get, that you yes. get this year. <laughs> Looking back on the top ten... Number 10, Raleigh and Durham, North Carolina. Number 9, Seattle, Washington. Number 8, Portland, Oregon. 7, San Francisco, California. 6, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. 5, Des Moines, Iowa. 6, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Excuse me, 4, <laughs> Fayetteville, Arkansas. 3, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 2, Denver, Colorado. And the number 1 city for the third year running, Austin, Texas. There you have it, the 2019 Best Places to Live rankings. Please go to realestate.usnews.com to see the full list of our best places to live for 2019. There's more than 100 cities listed. Is that correct, Evan? 125. 125, and they're described in great detail. And you'll also see editorial coverage related to that data from our very own Devin Thorsby. So, uh, Devin, thank you for joining me and, and helping break all this down. Uh, we'll see you uh, on the next real estate episode. And where can uh, where can our listeners follow you on social media? 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Devin Thorsby. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Again, Devin Thorsby. <laughs> and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe to our podcast, rate it, comment on it, let us know what you think. If you have questions you'd like answered on future shows or would just like to submit your treatise for why your city should be ranked higher on our best places list, please email wealthofknowledge at usnews.com. We'll review your emails and we'll try to answer a few on the next real estate episode. Thanks for listening to Wealth of Knowledge. I'm Antonio Barbera. See you next week.